Hi there, and it's good to be back after the summer break. Red Business is looking forward to speaking to lots of core companies in the weeks ahead, new and old. But we're going to start with advice on cryptocurrencies, the rush for wedding dresses, and details of a free event to accelerate startups. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, anyone who spends any kind of time at all online will have seen a proliferation of ads in recent months encouraging people to invest in all sorts of things, Bitcoin, some other cryptocurrency. There are vast amounts of information out there, but how can you know which information to trust? Well, our next guest is somebody who hopefully will show some light on this particular topic. He is the MD of Alpha Wealth, who are based out of Little Island. Uh, Nick Sharalambus, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Uh, well rested after the uh, the summer break. So, yeah, it's back to uh, school for the children and back <laughs> for work in earnest. Well, arguably back to school for us as well. We've, uh, we have we have that little bit of fear uh, starting out into September. <laughs> but we are here nonetheless, Nick. There has been an awful lot of this. Um, and I have to admit, it's an area that I know very little about. But it's one into which I would not tread because I think it's too risky. I don't think I'm alone, am I? You're not, Jonathan. And... I suppose, look, I've worked as a financial advisor for many, many years, and it surprises me how much interest people have had over Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. So um, typically, it tends to be media-led, and there's a lot of interest, particularly over other, I suppose, more traditional areas of financial planning, such as pensions and typical savings accounts. Yeah, and I think Bitcoin is the one that people are most familiar with because that is the longest established. But I mean, just looking, one Bitcoin, uh, as we're doing this interview, is worth 40,000 euro. Uh, it wasn't always that way, was it? It wasn't, Jonathan. And, and Bitcoin, which, as you said, is really the kind of the daddy of cryptocurrencies. And I suppose we must remember that cryptocurrencies really is an online version of cash. And the major difference between this and I suppose the money that we have in the banks is that it's unregulated. So essentially it's a, a, a mechanism to make payment which doesn't require, um, I suppose, the costs and the institutions of the banking system. Um, typically, nothing really happened in cryptocurrencies up until kind of early 2017. And then the market just really took off and Bitcoin really was the leader. Um, my ex- personal experience has been that I invested after the heady highs back in December 2017, thinking that I was getting in a great time. Uh, I actually bought it in January of 18 and I, I bought in at about 11,000 a coin. Now, obviously, in retrospect, that seems like I got in at a great time. But interestingly, I sat for about 18 months at about 50% of the price that I purchased in at. So I was starting to lose, I suppose, favor in what I had done, even though I had already bought a moderate amount and partly for the experience of how to actually access this. But what happened then uh, late in 2019 was the price of Bitcoin particularly and some of the other cryptocurrencies went through the roof and at one stage one bitcoin was worth 60,000 euros um so hence 
all of the media kind of, I suppose, information started coming out. The general kind of what I call the, I suppose, the, the, the SETI investors were coming out in their droves. And I get inquiries almost daily for pe from people who want to invest in cryptocurrencies and ask me how yeah. to access them and obviously what coins they should purchase. They should purchase. And, and the thing is that there are so many different ones out there. And, and where a lot of my hesitancy comes from, as you said, this is unregulated. And, and you run the risk of, of backing the wrong horse. And, and I remember listening to a brilliant uh, uh, podcast that the BBC produced about one particular type of cryptocurrency that was, shall we say, an early adapter. And everyone who put their money into it, it all vanished. They, ne they never really owned anything. Um, and and that must be a cause of concern for someone like you, who people are turning to as an honest broker in all of this, that maybe that you get caught into something uh, that, that, you know, you go in with your eyes wide open, but even someone of your experience might have the wool pulled over their eyes. Absolutely, Jonathan. And, and the key point I want to make is that I, I don't promote clients buying Bitcoin or indeed any cryptocurrency. And it's not that I'm anti, you know, people investing money. Um, it's obviously part of what I do as a financial advisor. The problem I have with cryptocurrencies in general is that if you consider risk on a scale of one to seven, one being cash, seven being high risk, cryptocurrencies are an eight. You know, they are so yeah. volatile. And we've seen daily movements of over 30%. So imagine, you know, it, a lot of it is about timing. And one thing I think we'd all recognize is that it's almost impossible to try and time the market because if we could, none of us would be sitting where we are at the moment. So, yeah. But, you, but thing... you hear, Nick, you hear stories about fellas, oh, I guess such and such. Well, he didn't he get enough off Bitcoin to buy a house? And it tends to be younger people who wouldn't have as much experience about managing wealth, if they have it at all, who try to do this, who it, it's they view it almost as a form of gambling as opposed to a form of, of solid financial investment. And, and do you find yourself talking people down as much as you do giving them advice? Absolutely, Jonathan, and that's that's exactly the point. And and the other thing, as you said, is that sometimes the fear is that people go in uh, on the back of uh, a, a suggestion or, or pub talk, as I refer to, um, and it's not the same for everyone. You know, my fear sometimes is that people don't put their money into sound financial products, such as you know, funding for their pension or putting savings away for the rainy day or, or for for a property. And they get carried away with the, I suppose, the, the uh, positive news. Nobody talks about the negatives. Um, the problem I, I would have for many people as well is that they don't realize that there are cost implications. You know, there are costs to buying these coins. And there's also tax implications as well. And people seem to just hear the, the kind of the headlines. Um, funny enough, Bitcoin gets spoken about only when the price is rising. And then of late, what's happened is that the coins fell back from the, the Healy highs that they, they had uh, late last year. And they've been kind of like mumbling around for the last few months. And people have gone, you know, uninterested again. Now, I think obviously lockdowns probably facilitated people being interested because we were all at home and people probably had a bit more time than, than they normally would. But... As you say, my, my fear is that people get involved in this without really the necessary knowledge or, I suppose, understanding of what they're actually getting into.
And mm. um, when do you think this is going to finally settle down? Because there, you, you hear of new types of currencies coming on and this coin better than that coin. And, and again, because it's a global thing and it's online, it's all unregulated. I mean, are, are regulators in individual countries or at some global level eventually going to have to step in here because too many people are taking too many risks? Yeah, I believe so, Jonathan. And the, the, the thing with Bitcoin is that its price varies so much because of this news about certain countries who open themselves up to it or certain platforms such as PayPal that may allow you know Bitcoins to be used and other cryptocurrencies. But then the following day, you get negative news such as you know the likes of the US authorities who are clamping down against it. And that's why it, it tends to be so volatile. But it, it's really a case of, you know, if this, I suppose, area takes off and some people believe that it will, it will almost replace traditional currency, then its price will continue to rise. But I get worried about these reports, you know, making these outlandish proposals of Bitcoin being worth $100,000 by the year end. That may or may not be true. I, I suppose if, if people keep saying it long enough, it may end up being uh, correct at some point in the future. But as to when, you know, it's, it's really difficult mm. to say. So all I would say to your viewers, Jonathan, is tread very carefully, be very mindful of, you know, how you're looking to access these and really about your overall position. You know, I don't mind someone who has a large sum of money to invest to put a very small proportion in, in cryptocurrencies. My fear is those people who are putting a large percentage of their investable cash into the coins. That tends to be you know, a big part of the, the problems I think that people mm. uh, face. Well, I think that the one bit of financial advice that always rings through to me is if something seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Um, the magic money tree has never been found, if it exists at all, and people need to be careful about what they are investing in, even if they've heard other people have, have done well out of it. Nick, what's your website in case people need to look you up if they're looking for a solid, a bit of solid financial advice as opposed to something they hear in the pub? Yeah, um, our website is alphawealth.ie, Jonathan, and you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of share information. Obviously, if anyone does want more information on cryptocurrencies, just at a very high level, um, we do run webinars on occasion. Um, and I do appreciate, obviously, um, the, the support that you've given us. Um, so thank you very much for that. It's very much appreciated. No problem. It's gr great to talk to you. Nick Sharalambos uh, of Alpha World. Thanks for joining us on Red Business, Nick. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Our next guest set up Memories Bridal Boutique with his friend Eber Collins back in 2010, dedicated to giving brides an amazing and memorable experience. He went on to win awards. They opened a second outlet. And then, of course, something happened about 18 months ago that threw the entire sector and every sector up in the air. Carl Fredgley from Memories Bridal Boutique. How are you doing, Carl? I'm good, Jonathan. How are you doing yourself? I'm all right. We're we're getting there slowly but surely. I mean, you you presumably have seen a pickup in the last little while as as people decide. Look, the wedding's going ahead, big, smaller, and different, and now people are looking forward with a bit more optimism. Are they? Yeah, they are. I think, like it's safe to say, since we reopened after the lifting of uh, restrictions that allowed us to open, we've probably been busier than we've ever been, which is 
great to see that kind of a bounce. It's a sort of a combination of people who are working to a regular time frame, maybe getting married next year, and people who are sort of trying to compress everything because they weren't able to do anything over the last six, 10, eight, 12 months. So it's a bit bonkers, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> but is it bonkers in a good way? I mean, at that level of stress, so you've got all that pent-up demand coming through the door. Uh, you've got the regular business coming through the door. Is there a lot of very stressed brides? Well, okay, people are stressed. Um, I think usually when it comes to people planning their wedding, there there does always tend to be an element of kind of added pressure for people. Um, we do try and kind of minimize that as much as possible when people come to, to our stores because we have a, a very relaxed atmosphere. Uh, we don't have a pushy kind of sales platform and our stock isn't on display anyway, so it's not overwhelming for people. Um, so we do try and kind of counteract that as much as possible. I guess for people who are planning their weddings, a lot of people we've found who've had, you know, who've had to reschedule once, twice, and even three times have gotten to the stage now where they're just happy to get it done. Hmm. And what what about the dresses, though? I mean, I'm not an expert in this area, but uh, people ate a lot during lockdown. People lost weight during lockdown because they spent a load of time running. Have you been adjusting a little bit? Uh, okay, so uh, the actual dresses that people have bought um, and that are, are maybe getting alterations for their weddings now, I think, you know, this is just like... How do I answer this? So bridal gowns are designed to be altered so they can go up and down in terms of sizing. This isn't something people need to worry about. Okay, so in other words, it's, it's, don't worry about it if you've lost weight or put on weight. The dress is still going to fit you. There's there's no panic. But oh, exactly. of the dresses that are coming in, I mean, we, we've seen supply chain issues in various yep. different countries for various different reasons. Brexit, a big mm-hmm. problem across the way. Supply and demand, I'd imagine, kicks in here. Have you enough wedding dresses? Yes. So our, our our industry is slightly different in the sense that we order from sample for specific clients. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you won't have uh, hanging stock for people to buy from, if you get me. Uh, so it's important that people do allow themselves the time to buy something, particularly if they're, they're eye on something specific. We would always recommend giving yourself six months to order a minimum of six months to order your your dress into us and then give yourself another kind of eight weeks for your alterations in the run-up to your wedding. So that's eight months there. Uh, some of our designers, and this is applying across the board, are just indicating slight delays. So we do recommend that, you know, when people are are in the headspace to get it to, to get their dress ordered, you know, as soon as they find it really. Yeah. So in other um, words, that there's normally a bit of lead in time. You're not buying it off the shelf to get married on well, Friday. It. You, you, you exactly have that time. Uh, you, you set up the original business back in 2010. And then I think you, you've moved to a second outlet in Dublin. Um, how, how is it, Carly? You're, you're, you're flat to the mat at the moment, but are you expecting it to level out? And are you happy just having the two outlets? Or are you looking at expanding again? Um, OK, so we, no, we won't be expanding to a third store in Ireland anyway. Um, the market is, you know, relatively full. There are sort of X amount of weddings every year on average. And this year is probably a bit of an unusual one because there's a sort of a doubling up. Uh, but you're talking about 22, 23,000 weddings a year in Ireland. So there are only X amount of clients. We have to be sensible about how we approach expanding the business. When during lockdown uh, this year, we spent a lot of time sort of remodeling our image um 
we redesigned our website. It's very high end, highbrow now. There's a kind of a an online store, and we've started working with exclusively made in Ireland brands as well. And that kind of counteracts some of the um, supply chain issues you were talking about earlier. We do try and encourage, not encourage, but um, what's the word? Sort of push and work with. Uh, Irish brands. We have three accessory brands that are made in Ireland. We have a bridesmaids range that is made in Ireland, and we're just about to start working with a new bridal designer being made in Ireland as well. So those kind of things are very important for us to sort of solidify what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, keep it as Irish as you possibly can, and there's options, which is great to hear. But my last question, and this is coming from a place of horrific ignorance, Carl. So forgive me. What yes. is the current style? Because uh, there was a time when big and flouncy was the style and you did the shoulder pads that was probably back in the 80s and went out with the arc uh, and then it was all thin and simple dresses what, what are we happening what's happening now what are people looking for all right okay so big and flouncy not technical terms right no neither would you describe it as thin and simple <laughs> but i tell you what though um it's a kind of an odd one normally we can sort of predict what's going to happen next year um uh, we're finding a lot of people it's a mix right we're finding a lot of people are looking for very bridal they want to feel like a, a bride and they want to wear a full-on wedding dress because they haven't had the chance to plan their wedding properly so it's a sort of a milkit thing for people and um, so lots of classic quite full we do a lot of stuff that's quite cool a little bit edgy and a little bit more bohemian and that sort of summer garden wedding vibe is, is very much on trend at the minute Okay, right. And again, you 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 say my language is off. I understood myself perfectly, but I'd imagine brides are a little bit more exacting when they're lo- when they know what they're looking for. Carl, here's hoping that you make up for all that last time, and more importantly, that those brides get the experience that they deserve on their big day. The website, if people are looking to get in contact with you, how do you, how do they find you? Yeah, so all of our appointments are made online through our website www.memoriesbridalboutique.com Carl Fragley of Memories Bridal Boutique Thanks for joining us Carl Pleasure Red Business Cork's exclusive business podcast the hard-working team at Republic of Work on the South Mall are gearing up for another very special event later this month. It's the NDRC Founder Weekend. It's going to run from September 17th to 19th and they're looking for people to take part. They're great events. People with a brilliant business idea get a chance to meet other entrepreneurs, potential co-founders and mentors. And across the weekend, you can explore your startup idea and learn firsthand what it takes to move an idea from concept to reality and there's lots of people have done this before and it really really works to tell me more about it I am joined by Rick Nasser who is the NDRC Programme Manager at Republic of Work and Amy Norton who is the founder of Vida which provides career acceleration software uh, how are you? Good to talk to you guys Very good Jonathan thanks for having me Yeah uh, Jonathan thanks for having me as well um, Amy I'm going to talk to you first because you you did this didn't you? You attended one of the events previously well, how did you find it? I did. So I had the opportunity to take part in the National NDRC Founders Weekend back in March. Um, I went in as a solo founder with the goal of improving my pitch deck that I was running through New Frontiers Phase 2 at the time. And I really wanted to streamline the message of what the mission of Vida is. So I was able to chat to founders from all over Ireland at lots of different stages of their respective startups, from the idea stage to some already generating revenue. 
Um, luckily, then, luckily then I had the opportunity to team up for the weekend with two other founders and the three of us started working on the Vita deck. Uh, for me, it was incredible to have their input and learn from these guys who were on the startup scene a lot longer than I was. I had only been on it since September 2020. So throughout the weekend, when we were stuck, we also were able to book time with mentors of our choice who were available to advise on any challenges we were facing that weekend and in general. And um, I think at the time we spoke to Niall Larkin and Rosemary Gallagher from the RDI Hub in Galway. So it was really, really fantastic for us. And um, it was an incredible weekend, not only for the learnings I got from it as a founder, but learning from other people's mm. journeys and experiences and tapped into the incredible startup ecosystem in Ireland, which even today I still use and I'm, I'm a part of. And it's so helpful and valuable to both myself and Vida. Uh, Amy, tell us a little bit about Vida. What do you do? I mean, I gave a very brief one line description <laughs> there that mightn't have made sense. Yeah, so Vida is a candidate first platform, which we're, which allows job candidates to pre-verify their work and rental history, allowing them to fast track and accelerate their application processes when searching for a job. So what we found is that the majority of tech being built in the job and recruitment market is aimed towards making the lives of recruiters and businesses easier and to streamline their processes. But there's almost nothing out there to give candidates the edge or allow them the opportunity to truly stand out. So by using Vida, our candidates are applying to roles with a large chunk of the recruitment admin work already done, while also capturing any career highlights or standout moments they've had to date, making them ultra attractive to their dream hiring teams and organisations. Now, I'd imagine you're hitting the ground at a good time here because the world of work, as we've discussed many times, is changing and it's moving from an employer's to an employee's market. So therefore, uh, yours makes sense because the employee would like a lot of that heavy lifting done uh, before they actually get to go for the jobs they want as opposed to applying for all the jobs they can find. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the employee's focus has also shifted, you know, um, not only are we looking for challenges within the workplace, but we're actually more so now looking for workplaces that suit our brand, our personality and satisfy wants and needs on another level, apart from the role itself. And companies as well want to kind of, I suppose, withhold staff a bit longer and make sure that they're hiring staff that believe in what they want to achieve, want to achieve as well and aren't so much process orientated rather than culture orientated. So here is where Vida comes in and takes away a lot of the kind of tick the box stuff that needs to be done and allows both the employers and employees to focus on what actually okay. matters. And that's the satisfaction and the role. Okay, um, if I could turn to you, Rick, I mean, I'm presuming you have a paintbrush in your hand because every time I've been in the Republic of Work, <laughs> something has been painted or done up. You've done a huge amount of work uh, to make the the entire complex uh, look very different, have a very different feel. And it's it's nearly all coming together now, isn't it? Yeah, the uh, uh, Republic of Work has coming, been coming along nicely. Yeah, it's been it's been great so far. We're almost finished. So the, the launch, the rebrand launch will be coming in soon officially. Um, so you are the NDRC program manager. So Republic of Workers has recently partnered with the NDRC. You might outline what that partnership means and what it means for the people who are coming through on the program. Absolutely. So, so the whole idea behind the NDRC is to uh, provide a, 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 the best support available for startups, especially from from idea phase all the way to the. We're talking accelerator level where you could get more um, be in front of investors and a series level kind of uh, investment level. And uh, it's been uh, great so far. We just launched it this year and 
and the focus is to, to cover the entire nation, not just one section of the region, like, for example, Dublin, maybe. Okay, and this Founders Weekend, it has taken place before, but obviously there, there's a, a focus now with the NDRC being involved. So who are you looking to get involved? Yes, uh, uh, with regards to the Founders Weekend itself, it's, 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 uh, I'm just going to give a quick um, side note on it. It's, it's pretty much a, a, a sprint that happens during the weekend, and it, it involves a lot of amazing people from mentors to judges to uh, some some great speakers who have succeeded in their startups throughout the, uh, their their time, uh, especially from Ireland, and the, the type of people we usually are looking for are people like Amy who have an idea and of that that nagging feeling they they'd love to try it out. You know, they they want to see if this is going to be a viable idea, a startup idea. So they come along to the event and they. Uh, pitch it at the very beginning. Sometimes they come with the team of their own at this stage, and then they, they go through the uh, learning process, and they, they, we help them uh, fix their pitch, uh, and then they pitch it to the judges. We have judges at the, by Sunday, and we've got winners at, at the end of it. So tell me, how, how can you get involved? What do you need people to do if they're going to take part in this weekend? So yeah, with the the involvement is uh, super simple. So uh, you could do two things: either you go to the ndrc.ie forward slash founder with no s founder for, uh, dash weekend, or just Google uh, search ndrc founder weekend, and we're all over social medias from LinkedIn to Instagram to, to Twitter as well. Just uh, follow us, and you could ask me. You could contact me directly at rick at uh, republicofwork.com as well. Okay, so that's, it's pretty simple. Do get involved if you think it's for you. Amy, it didn't do you any harm anyway, did it? No, absolutely not. And, you know, like I said, I'm still involved in that ecosystem today and I know I can reach out to anyone there at any time. Just if I have any questions whatsoever or if I want to run something past them, they're so readily available and so helpful and so friendly. And if they can't help, they certainly know someone who can. And I would really, really recommend it to anyone at any stage of um, their startup journey. Okay, Amy Norton, founder of Vida. Congratulations on your journey to date and best luck in the future. And Rick Nasser, NDRC program manager at Republic of Work, Rick at RepublicofWork.com if you want to get involved. Rick and Amy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie and they're all available wherever you get your podcasts. Kieran McDonough produced, and we will catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.